0: You're listening to a Comics XF podcast.
1: I am vengeance. I
2: am the knight. I am. Matt Lazwitz, and welcome to this week's episode of Bat Chat with Matt and Will, a Batman ranking podcast. each week my co-host will nevin and i dig into three batman stories discuss them and rank them on our big board thus creating a giant list of batman stories from best to worst how you doing will i'm doing all right it feels like it's been forever since we've done this
0: Uh, uh taking a week off just feels it feels strange it feels odd
2: i needed it but i'm recharged and excited to be back
0: yeah yeah for sure especially on the the print side of things i'm uh eager to d- dig into a uh, gotham war which will be seven months old by the time you listen to this but i have seen but one panel which is probably the worst panel to just put on social media but you know we'll see what it is
2: i'm excited social media loves to do that
0: no does it ever
2: uh what'd you do during your week off i did next to nothing oh that's nice I read over a hundred comics. I damn. saw six movies on the big screen and watched six more around the house. And I gave Bess all the pets that she could demand, which are a lot.
0: Ah, so you mentioned movies there. Let me tell you this. I have started a special topics class at my job, my university, my HBCU. And it is loosely like cinema and the black experience black culture something i haven't exactly put a title on it yet but it's like we're watching films starring black actors by black creators with black themes etc and i came to the students with a list of movies that i thought were relevant enough to put on the list stuff like uh, in the heat of the night night of the living dead And they came at me with a couple of movies. The one that they suggested that I had never heard of, uh, they
2: cloned Tyrone. Brand new. I haven't seen it yet. It's only been out for a little bit. Netflix, right?
0: Yeah, exactly. I've only seen the first half of it because we started it on Tuesday. We're going to finish it tomorrow. It's really fucking good. Serious, like, they live vibes to the extent that I think we're going to watch they live in the class next But it's nice to have John Boyega out of that Star Wars bubble, giving him something different to do. And it's also also nice to see Jamie Foxx, like, not being an alpha. He plays this uh, kind of mincing pimp, Slick Charles. He's just loving every minute of it. And. The way that the students described it, it sounded like a comedy, but it's much more of a of a meta horror commentary. I think on a lot that I'm very interested to see play out, and it's uh, it's shot beautifully. It's got a great look to it,
2: and it's on Netflix, so it's free. I might have to hit that one this weekend because I got some time this weekend, and I intend to read more comics and watch more movies. Three day weekend, I'm gonna take advantage of that again.
0: Duh, your your
2: life sounds so horrible, Matt. Comics and movies. So my nieces, their favorite cartoon is Bluey. It's on Disney. It's an Australian import about these two little anthropomorphic dog kids who do stuff. But it's as much about their parents and about parenting and you know the way kids interact with their parents. And there's one episode where the dad is playing a game with them where he's one of those claw machines that no one can ever win at. Because the kids tried to play the, the claw game and they lost. And they come home and they want to play. The, right, they want to play the game when they get home and they figure it'll be easier. And no, he's being just as terrible. And at one point they get annoyed and they just dad. And he responds, Who is dad? Magic Claw has no children. His days are free and easy. (laughs) and after seeing that that has become my motto anytime anyone talks about children my days are free and easy
0: free and easy i just have two podcasts that i have to constantly (laughs) tend to
2: well there's that but you know the two of us are sitting here rambling and we have a guest oh we have a guest we do indeed have a guest uh, let's give a big Bat Chat welcome to Patreon backer, Dick Grayson tier backer, John Wickham. John, Yay, welcome John. to the show.
1: Hey, nice to be here.
2: We are glad to have you. And we are going to start off with the question that I always ask our first time guests. What are your first Batman memories?
1: Well, here's the thing. I think I'm probably a decade younger than you guys. So my first Batman memories was watching the Batman on Kids WB every weekend. So my experience with Batman's a little more sillier, a little more action packed, toyerific than most people on the podcast. The Batman's a weird show, and it has impacted the way I see Batman just overall. And I've been reading trades off and on, and I got into the DC Universe app and. That's where I've been reading Batman comics.
2: The Batman is, it's a weird show. I think people came into it with this sort of scorn because it was not going to be Batman the Animated Series. And I think it gets sort of lost in between Batman the Animated Series and Brave and the Bold, both of which have very vocal fan bases. And the Batman doesn't. And the Batman, it takes a little while to get going. But when they start introducing the rest of the family and such around season three, there's some really strong episodes in there.
1: There are actually some strong episodes in the first two seasons as well. For example, one thing I feel like the Batman did better than the animated series was Firefly. Mm. That was a cool guy. As a corporate hired guy who just like had high tech fire gear and that was really incredibly awesome. And another thing from the early seasons was like, the time that Joker tried to be Batman.
2: Yeah, I'd forgotten that one. And it's I mean, it's a weird show also because of the restrictions they were given that there are some characters that just never showed up. Yeah. Scarecrow, if, Rage, Two-Face.
1: If they were in the first two Christopher Nolan Batman films, they were not in the series. Except, Except for Joker. Joker. Because
2: <laughs> you can't get away with not having Joker.
1: Unless you want to be canceled, like beware of a Batman.
2: Yes, I was going to say exactly that.
1: The best comparison I feel like to the animated series and the Batman is with the animated series films. You got interpersonal character studies based on heroes and villains, while the Batman just had Batman fight Dracula.
2: Yeah, I, I have a soft spot for that. We will be covering that on the Halloween bonus episode this year so everybody who wants to hear us talk about the batman versus dracula subscribe to the patreon in time for october 31st if you get
1: enough members on the patreon these boys can talk about star trek movies
2: (laughs) yes we can and we will oh will we ever yes patreon might have gotten rid of that goals function but i have not forgotten that promise and we hit 20 and we will be talking star trek but that is not what we are talking about tonight Tonight, we're talking Batman. Ah, Batman. Strange. Specifically, John's pick put us on the campaign trail with three stories about politics in and around Gotham. Ooh. Sounds interesting. Yes. We're starting with the comic that John specifically initially called out, which is Election Night. This is the Catwoman Election Night special. The stories by Meredith Finch with pencils by Shane Davis and Igor Vitorino. Inks by Michelle Delecki and Vitorino. Colors by Gabe Altayeb. Letters by Pat Rousseau and edited by Dan DiDio and Dave Wilgus. Cover date is January of 2017. Penguin's running for mayor of Gotham and his plans could mean the destruction of the orphanage Selina Kyle lived in as a girl. So Catwoman sets out to stop Penguin. But as the other candidate any better plus prez so for those out there and we've talked about this a little before but just to make it clear if you don't know how these things work cover date is not release date of when the comic comes out it's the date theoretically that the comic comes off The stands. That is how those dates were initially created back in the newsstand days. So, a cover date of January 2017 is actually a release date of November 2016. In this case, specifically November 2nd, 2016, six days before the US presidential election of 2016. Uh, Or, as Amber just called from the distance, the presidential election of Doom, which casts this in a very specific light in a very specific bit of time.
1: You really thought Hillary Clinton was going to win?
2: You know, they did. So did Valiant yeah. doing the the cover of the issue of faith and the story in that issue of faith that came out the same day and was absolutely sure that there was no way the Republicans could win that election.
0: So did Marvel with Secret Empire.
2: Yep. Everybody was like, oh, yeah, we're going to be able to use this as a, uh, an object lesson. It's like, oh, oh, no, now uh, it's just going to sink. Uh,
0: before we go any farther, uh, John, what did you think of this particular comic here?
1: Without the context of the 2016 election, I thought it was just the Catwoman story specifically was just a meh, mediocre at best comic. But with the context, that makes the whole thing a little more interesting. Okay, so you
0: didn't you didn't absolutely love it, is what you're saying? Yeah. So, if I told you I fucking despised this from cover to cover, you wouldn't be like upset because you're a guest. Oh, and no, I, I appreciate I... your patronage and I'm really happy to have you. And I wouldn't want to offend you if this is like, oh my God, I love this book.
1: No, this was a book I picked because I saw it while drifting on DC Universe Infinite and it was like, hmm. I don't think you'll get to this otherwise.
0: (laughs) No, we would not get to this otherwise. Uh, So this thing is about as subtle as a fart in church. This is penguins running for mayor and he's going to build a wall around Gotham and he's going to make Gotham great again. I'm like, God damn it. Just be a little more subtle than that. Just Just a scooch. A scooch more subtle. Like, come on. This is not in-depth
2: political analysis. This is Ackery. Uh bleh. And reading this, because I will be completely honest, this came out, again, six days before the presidential election. I was like, I'm not going to read this thing until after the presidential election because I am so full up on election everywhere. I don't want to think about politics in my comics. And then the election happened and the results of the election happened. And it was like... <laughs> I'm not going to read this for a while because I don't want to think about where we are right now.
0: I don't want to think about politics ever again.
2: Yeah. And going back and reading it now, it's like Penguin, as you said, is obvious. He's Trump. He's quoting Trump in places, practically. Even beyond the Gotham great again thing. A big, beautiful wall. The way he talks about his opponent. They're they're practically quotes, but then when you get to the end and the revelation about the woman he's running against, I'm trying to figure out is this both sidesism or is it just that oh this is Gotham so we can't have an honest politician at all so it's just the story machine is the other candidate has to be terrible.
1: I read it more as both sidesism myself. Yeah, which they were more positive on. We were more positive on Hillary because she wasn't as cruel and dumb as Trump. But, like, people at the time were acknowledging her flaws.
2: Granted, the good thing about living in, theoretically, a democracy is one can acknowledge the flaws of all candidates. Living in a country where you can't means you're living in, oh, I don't know, North Korea. I will say this
0: is a common theme uh, for the books tonight. Well, aside from maybe our last book, that none of these are particularly deep thinkers. Certainly when we get to, you know, Chuck Dixon, who's, I don't know, thinking with his micro penis, But especially the idea of, okay, maybe we're going to both sides, the 2016 presidential election. Like, okay, we've got this faux Donald Trump candidate and then someone who is, you know, at least... A female uh, yeah it's hard to say that she's a direct analog to hillary clinton but oh, oh oh surprise she's actually a murderer and yeah that is what you get in gotham you get the penguin and a murderer who you want to choose between it's not a great look and then i particularly didn't like the conclusion of oh catwoman unravels this whole plot during a debate and then at some point during the debate penguin is captured by batman And that just kind of happens off panel.
1: Yeah. In a book called Catwoman Election Night, you kind of hope Catwoman like at least punches out the penguin or something. And
2: just to mention it briefly, the other half of this, as I said in the little synopsis, is a Prez short. But we're not talking, you know, the Silver Age or Bronze Age Prez. This is the Mark Russell version that came out of DCU, Y-O-U, that imprint. And there's a lot of Mark Russell's stuff that I like. But when Mark Russell is really leaning into satire Mark Russell, again, as Will said, subtle as a fart in church. Mark Russell does not believe in subtlety. And I did not read that 12-issue Prez series. and It was six. Oh, it was it only was six? six. Oh. Yeah, it got cut off. Ah! Well, this this short
1: was the... This short was the finale to Mark Russell's Presron.
2: Oh, dear. I th- thought Snagglepuss was great. I've read some other stuff, but when he's in this Mark Russell mode, it's just so heavy-handed. The Lex Luthor miniseries that he did during uh, Future State was better. That was also a little less dump you over the head, but...
1: I read the Prez series before this episode, so uh, I can say that, like, as a whole, the Prez series is a little more subtle than this. And compared to the other story, I think the Prez story writes circles around the Catwoman story.
2: Yes, because the Prez story at least has a point of view. It has an opinion it is trying to put out versus just writing a story that's like, Hey, everybody sucks.
1: Yeah, but as a conclusion to Mark Russell's Prez, it's just, all right, this is another Prez thing. What it I like to have the other six issues to the Prez?
2: I think you said the actual story here has no depth. There isn't enough time in this story to build any depth. It's... 22 pages the book is 42 so i guess it's probably 30 pages of catwoman and 12 pages of prez
1: it's 28
2: oh 28 oh
1: 28 of catwoman 11 of prez
2: oh okay so even fewer especially because you're dealing with miss kitty's home for wayward girls is not part of any established continuity you're not playing off of anything that already exists so you're having to build all of this backstory in 28 pages while also having to throw in a scene with batman that you could have done other things with those pages to make the story more engaging penguins on what two pages of this three i think and, four more total and most of that is just
0: hitting you over the head with oh he's supposed to be trump oh he's supposed to be trump did you get it yet he's donald trump did you get it because he's Trump.
1: To say something nice about the comic, the change in artist is like pretty consistent. You can't tell that two people drew this. Yeah. So, like they matched up the art styles pretty nicely.
0: That is a very good and nice point.
2: Absolutely. I, I had not realized that I had initially looked at the credits that, oh, this changed artist? And I went back and was like, oh yeah, I guess I can see it. But without having looked at the credits, I didn't realize it off the top of my head. That, that is the nicest thing I think we can say. It's probably got the best start of the night.
1: Depends on how you feel about well, Batman, Fan and me, series throwbacks. I have a question. Overall, do you think Penguin could work as a Trump analog?
0: Pingy is uh, a smoother actor than Trump. Trump is a blunt, dull, boring instrument penguin is a smoother operator
1: there's an idea that maybe could work but i'm not sure if it wasn't executed well here
2: i think penguin could work as what trump would aspire to be what trump might think he is versus what he actually is there is a similarity in the their backgrounds. Penguin is sort of an antithesis, because all Trump ever did was inherit money, and then make himself seem like a self-made man, despite the fact that all of his money comes from somewhere else. Penguin comes from a fallen family, and has had to kind of claw his way up. They are both rich, they both are manipulative, but as Will said, Penguin is a much subtler and smarter actor.
1: Yep. That That's what I was thinking. It, it was just like, this is what you're doing for election coverage?
2: And again, I wasn't sure if this was me reading too much into it. But also when you get to the scene at the debate, what does Catwoman use initially to intimidate her opponent but her birth certificate? Wait, is this an Obama birth certificate sort of thing or is it just... I just, I feel like when you're bringing in birth certificates into anything that's an American political analog at this point, that conjures shadows of birtherism. I did not sort
0: of feel that on first reading, but that does make sense. And I think good editors would have gotten that out of this.
1: I think Meredith Fidge did not think of that, but like you do raise the point.
2: I think it's exactly that. I don't. I don't think it was intentional, but I think that you have to be careful in what you do because things have meaning. If I could read it that way, I'm not the only one, and especially when you're both sizing this thing, conjuring specters of birtherism is not great. Uh, no. Here's me playing a little bit of Devil's Advocate. Not, No, not Devil's Advocate at all, but doing the, well, can we fix this story thing that we sometimes do? wouldn't it have worked a little bit better or at least given less that you had to do if the wall was being built through the Tompkins Clinic?
1: That would have added some personal stakes to the story, yes.
2: Right, because yes, I mean, you don't have to establish the same level of, okay, let's spend all this time explaining who this person is to Selena when it's Leslie Tompkins, who we know from the Brubaker run on Catwoman is an established part of Selena's life. Also, I say this as someone with an old cat, but Selena still has the cat that she took from Miss Kitty's in the present. That's an old cat. Just an observation that that cat is probably not, you know, wandering around outside anymore because that's got to be like a well over a decade old cat. At that point, they like to hang around the house.
1: The wildest thing is that this came out the week after Tom King started his stuff with Catwoman.
2: Oh god, it did. This was the only Catwoman headline book for a couple of years there, after the end of the New 52 and before the Joel Jones series launched in 2019?
1: 2018? Ooh boy,
2: that's that's sad.
1: It was after the wedding, which happened two years in, so probably
2: 2018. Yeah, late mid to late 2018. This is a strange little artifact, and it is not as weird as DC's 2008 election comic, though. DC Universe Decisions.
1: You mean the one that has Lois Lane declaring herself as a hard-loving Republican? Yep. Yeah,
2: that is a weird book and i i never quite got lois and bruce wayne as republicans doesn't necessarily fly with me but it barely worked in
1: 2008 it it, It does not work where the republican party is now
2: oh hell no and co-written by judd winnick and bill willingham we might as well just have you know i don't even know i can't even think of two writers nowadays who would
1: that's future matt and will's
2: problem <laughs> yes exactly <laughs> yes present matt present matt does not want to think about decisions any more than he has to so I, I think that we've said what we can on this one oh
0: that means it's
2: time
0: for catwoman election night on the big bars
2: we are at 303 stories on the big board. Whoop, whoop. Num- <laughs> number one remains the post-crisis origin of Batman, Batman Year One. Number 50 is A Savage Innocence, the issue where the Joker gets the power of the specter.
0: Coming in at a sexy 69, it's Batman Legend of the Dark Knight 16 through 20, Venom.
2: At 100 is Shadow of the Phantasm, the Batman and Robin Adventures Annual that serves as a sequel to Mask of the Phantasm. At 150 is the Gates of Gotham miniseries. 200 is the All Ages graphic novel Batman Overdrive. 250 is Demons, the Batman Adventures Annual with Rachel Ghoul and Etrigan. And hey, 303, bottom of the list, it's Curse of the White Knight.
0: Boo.
2: We're hovering down in that area on this one. It's by no means good,
0: but yeah, I don't think this makes the top 200. I think it's below
2: 250. Really? Yeah, because, I mean, look, 250 Demons is at least pretty in places. It has some nice Bruce Timm homaging Jack Kirby art. 251 Speeding Bullets. The Superman as Batman at least has some interesting ideas. There might not be fully baked, but there are interesting ideas there. All right. My floor, my absolute floor is 270. Spawn Batman. Yeah. No, it doesn't fall into the incomprehensible or offensive, which is 270 on down. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So we're, we're on
0: somewhat of a reasonable page there. Hmm. I would say that. This probably doesn't beat Batmite's New York Adventure at 255, because that had some charm to it.
2: Nobody acts ridiculously out of character, which puts it above 258, Bruce Wayne not super. It is breezy. Yeah, it had that going for it. The mystery was the least subtle mystery ever, because we all knew immediately, oh, she killed the other girl. Oh, yeah. yeah. Try to hide that at all. Because that that, that's how that works, right? If you
0: are in the orphanage and some parents come by and they see another child that they want, you can just kill that other child and they'll end up to you instead.
1: It works when you're the best friend
2: for that child, I guess. And when you've scared all the other children away from actually talking to anyone. Okay, if we're looking in that range, how does the new 258 sound? Castle of the Bat at least is pretty and painted and it's got some weird characterization but it's really nice looking. Not Super has those few nice pages at the beginning and then after that it's just sort of meh all the way through. So yeah, 258 it is. You were absolutely correct, John. This is not something that we would have covered any time uh, if we hadn't had someone pointed out because I had Completely forgotten this thing existed. And I kind of i always like getting something that I completely forgot existed. Our next story is Mr. Wayne Goes to Washington. This is Batman Volume 1, numbers 560 to 562. The writer is Chuck Dixon, with pencils by Jim Aparo, inks by Dave Roach, colors by Lee Lawridge, letters by Todd Klein, and edited by Denny O'Neill and Jordan B. Gorfinkel. The cover dates are December of 1998 to February of 1999. The political pressure to cut the earthquake-ravaged Gotham is rising, and the villainous Nicholas Scratch is pushing it harder. Now, only one man may be able to stop this. Not Batman, but Bruce Wayne, who heads to Capitol Hill to make an impassioned speech for his home. We've done it before, and we will do it many times in the future. Problematic Creator Watch on Chuck Dixon, noted right-wing wacko who finds new ways to earn problematic creator watch up to recently a bizarre screed on his i think it was youtube channel about how marvel is ashamed of its blue collar punisher fans so that's why they got rid of the punisher
0: ah what a giant bag of dicks And his political leanings come out pretty hard in this story. In that, that, oh, politicians are bad and lobbyists are bad and Bruce Wayne is the shining, like, oh, like, if everybody would just listen to him, like, it's clear he doesn't care for politics. He doesn't understand politics. It's just uh, an irritating waste of time, especially the second book in this series.
2: Pulling out the hypocrisy of liberals repeatedly The title says it all. He's really trying to do Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, the Jimmy Stewart movie, which is very much a movie about how one man can speak out against the system. One of the problems here is in Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, Mr. Smith can win. This story is there with the absolute knowledge that there's no way Bruce can win. Yeah, this whole thing is part of Road to No Man's Land. Right. It says it on the tin. There's no way Bruce Wayne is going to win this thing.
1: Yeah, I kind of want to say sorry for choosing this as the other story I chose this week because I did not realize at the time that it's not a complete story.
2: Yes, the fact that theoretically the three issues of Detective Comics, which is bannered as a different story as fight or flight, is intrinsically part of this, but there's no way to tell that. And I honestly, since I read these back in 98, I hadn't in my head remembered that, oh right, if you aren't reading both books, you're missing chunks. Meanwhile, the other two parts of Road to No Man's Land, the three issues in Azrael and the three issues in Shadow of the Bat, don't tie in. They are their own self-contained stories. The Best of these, by far, was the three issues of Shadow, the Waxman and the Clown, which is basically all of the Arkham inmates starting to smell the chaos coming, and Jeremiah Arkham trying to figure out how to deal with this.
0: That's uh, Alan Grant, right? Yep. Yeah, I bet that was better. You know the part of this I hated the most? What's that? I don't know. you like to You like to read me, Matt. Figure it out. What part did I hate the most? What was the most out-of-character moment for Batman? What was the most telling moment of Chuck Dixon's personal politics? Uh, what was the just the shittiest thing that Batman did in the book?
2: Other than not I mean, not show up at the end? Uh, well, and there's that.
1: Out. Let the mayor get assassinated and not go after her killer?
0: No. And you don't get to read me, John. You're a guest, but you don't get to.
2: <laughs> I'm literally scanning my notes... Is it how he walks out of Congress
1: like a dick?
2: John, wait your turn. <laughs> Batman going after the senator, that that is well within what Batman would do. We've seen him shake down politicians and crooked civic officials before. No, no, here, here's what I didn't like.
0: You voted for gun control, but you have a gun?
2: That is absolutely Dixon. See, I don't think that's necessarily bad batman that's just dixon showing his ass that is dixon absolutely being like look all liberals are hypocrites oh i have that called out as an obnoxious moment but i oh, yeah. think about that is out of character batman i thought that is just dixon being look at how hypocritical the left is
0: i don't think batman would do that like i think he just he doesn't want you to have a gun regardless of your
2: politics fair there is very little Batman in this story.
1: He's only in the first issue of the three.
2: Yeah. I mean, and you get the the pinups basically in the second issue, which here's the the thing I will say, the nice thing I will say. That issue, despite the dialogue being treacly and it not really having any original thoughts, it is paced well over that. Format In that I've seen comics that do the, we have a page of normal panels and then a pinup, a page of regular panels and a pinup. And the writer didn't think about how that would be formatted. And so the pinups can be drowned in captions and such. And it takes away from the fact that you are giving the artist free reign on those pages. This is at least laid out properly the caption boxes on those splash pinup pages aren't drowning out the art.
0: That's the very nicest thing you could say about this. I hated the second issue. Hated it. It's so insipid. From the very beginning, Bruce Wayne has never seen a congressional hearing before. Bruce Wayne doesn't understand what a congressional hearing is. It's just, just dumb. Dumb, 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 dumb. All the way around.
1: If Bruce Wayne didn't know that much about politics, he probably would have sent Lucius Fox to do it instead.
2: Lucius would have probably not stormed out of Congress like a petulant child.
0: And, and this is another part where I hated Dixon's politics. Like Bruce says, you know, if you're going to you know, help Gotham, cut a subsidy program, shut down a useless department trim the redundancy there has to be something you can do that speaks to a sense that the American government is some kind of zero sum game that if one priority gets funded that means some other issue doesn't get funded and that's not how the American government works we can do many things at the same time and it's so dense to just argue that that it's some kind of zero sum ball game I read this, and I think less of him as a thinker, and I didn't know that was possible.
2: What you're talking about, though, is fiscal conservatism 101. Oh, but even they don't really believe in that, because
0: they will say always, oh, we yeah, yeah, we need to spend vigorously for defense. Even if we had zero social programs, we'd just spend more and more and more and more and more for defense.
1: Yeah, that second issue... Politically wise, it is an issue.
2: But hey, at least that issue had a minimum of Nicholas Scratch.
1: That was the one that didn't have any scratch. I,
2: mean, I think he might appear in one panel, one of those people watching Bruce give the speech panel, but he doesn't say anything. I had forgotten how much I hated that character. Because that is a character who was introduced to be the villain of Road to No Man's Land. And then pops up in the Azrael ongoing as one of Azrael's nemeses through the end of his series. But he's got pusher, like influence powers and is some sort of, you're never sure if it's mystical or science fiction or what. And he's also a rock star and a scientist And has these weird, genetically altered demon people serving him. And he he has
1: an ear onto every politician ever. Yep. And a
2: hat on a hat on a hat on a hat on a hat.
0: Look, I don't care about any of that bullshit. What I care about is the art with his face. What did they fucking do with his tattoo? Like, is it airbrushed in post? It seems so strange and has a different texture than anything else in the art. I'm so confused.
2: I'm not sure if that's the inks or the colors, or if you're right, or if it was added after the fact, but I just don't like that character.
1: Well, you're gonna have to deal with him when you get to the Azrael parts of No Man's Land. Yep, and various Azrael stuff.
2: He's, he's in the story where the Azrael
1: series ends.
2: Yep, him and Carlton Leha are there. They they team up for a while there, as I recall. Ugh. He's not an interesting villain, and he feels like he's one of those characters that was created to be cool. Anytime you create a character with the sheer Intention of making that character cool You know what that character never is? Cool.
0: Ghostmaker.
2: Listen At least that has an idea Of giving
1: Batman a shonen type Rival. There's an idea Behind that. A unique idea At that. Meanwhile You could have just replaced Nicholas Scratch's role In this story with Raish.
2: Yeah Because they forget about Nicholas Scratch even halfway into No Man's Land. He only shows up in the Azrael parts in No Man's Land and then goes away.
1: So, like, this is a character that only exists to fight Azrael. And we're not talking about the Azrael parts today. Nope. My biggest issue with the story was when I picked up part one and, like, saw Firefly. And then he was not there for the rest of the story when we started issue three we heard about an assassination attempt on jim gordon and yeah
2: that's all happening in detective
0: yeah i asked matt about this like hey should we be reading the detective and he's like nah nah man you ain't gotta and i'm like okay i'm cool with
1: that
2: <laughs> that's another story
1: and I like just you also... can now have a road to no man's episode yeah with the three remaining stories
2: I do my best to hand wave away so much of the logic of getting to no man's land. Because logically, there's no way this actually works. There is no way we would actually cut off a major American city.
1: We might put in major disarray and mess up funding like we did with New Orleans. Exactly. But we we wouldn't, wouldn't just cut
2: it off. Right. We wouldn't do it well as a country, but we wouldn't just do this. And the obvious unconstitution constitutionalism constitutionality of, okay, well, we're cutting this city off, but if you have a criminal record, we're not letting you out of the city that we're about to cut off is so glaring, and again, is very Dixonian in its politics.
0: you know, I think if you could stitch together some reasoning from Korematsu the case that upheld Japanese internment and maybe some other bad decisions from the Supreme Court, I think you could make a, a constitutional argument for No Man's Land. Really? Hey, look, we rounded up American citizens and put them in camps just because they happened to be Japanese. We would do anything in the name of, quote, security, unquote.
1: And to be fair, I hear people extremely liberal people who say let's just cut off the areas of the country and not help them and like there is that idea it's a wrong idea because the wealthy people can leave but people who need help the most can't
2: it's the any number of states are horrible to queer people why don't they just leave because they have lives and roots and families and possibly don't have the money and no one should have to leave anywhere because they're going to be treated shittily there. That's not what this should be. But Ugh. an episode about politics, but we probably shouldn't get too deep down this rabbit hole because I'll just get angry. And, uh, uh, and we still have another story. We do. And I also, you got to wonder, it's like, okay, so they're, they're making it very clear that criminals can't get out. a <laughs> criminal tries to escape Over the bridge. But Killer Croc, the villain who is so obviously a lizard person and who also, theoretically, could swim. When the government guys confront him, he just jumps off the bridge because he's Killer Croc and can swim and hold his breath for long periods of time. And they haven't mined the river yet. So why of all your choice of villains do you have Croc think, oh, I can walk right across this bridge. It's just one of those things that's just irritating to me. It's like you couldn't have used some sea lister who's going across the bridge, Condiment King? I don't know.
0: Yeah, Big Lizard Man in a trench coat. It's funny, see? It's funny.
2: Big Lizard Man in a trench coat.
1: I mean, he's right about that. Big yeah. Lizard Man in trench coat is funny.
2: It's why Marvel shrunk Godzilla and put him in a trench coat and a fedora for a few issues fighting Dum Dum Dugan. And I cannot 100% be sure as to why the assassin who's coming to kill Bruce Wayne, A, why you didn't use some established character versus just putting in a random assassin who never showed up before or shows up again.
0: Deadshot was busy that weekend.
2: And Deathstroke. And also, what kind of idiot assassin doesn't put a do not disturb on their hotel door so housekeeping just walks in? And what housekeeping person just walks in instead of knocking on the door? A rude one. Yes. A soon-to-be-dead one. Yes, very true. Contrivance.
1: That's what my biggest issue with the story is. Bruce Wayne doesn't go to Congress, but he also doesn't deal with the assassin who killed off a supporting cast member of the book.
2: She'd been around for a while.
1: Before Contagion. Yeah. And like, she just gets
2: killed off. Yeah, and for no reason. I'd say it was a fridging, but the whole point of a fridging is to drive the action of the male main character. And Bruce just doesn't even respond to it. Even if he couldn't go after that assassin right then, it could have been the reason he didn't go to Congress was because he was hunting her down, not because he was somewhere sulking. This is a
1: lame story, and that's all there is to say about that. Yep, I think we're On good.
0: that note, I think it's time to put Mr. Wayne goes to Washington on the big board. Give me a ballpark, Will. Oh, geez. Okay, so Election Night made me feel stupid. This book made me feel angry. I don't know which emotion I like less.
1: I think it- Jim O'Pero's art's better than art we got in Catwoman.
2: I'll agree with that. I mean, Aparo is a foundational Batman artist. He's one of the greats. And aside from whatever's going on with Nicholas Scratch's tattoo, I think it is a well paced, well put together comic, art wise. All right. So what's your what's your ceiling on this one then? Not much higher than election night. How about
0: Superman of Planet X? Two forty-two.
2: I was going to say, yeah, that was kind of where it, was, it can't go higher than than the Batman of R. So yes, it's somewhere between two forty-two and two fifty-eight. And of course, you've got the the glaring issue of Holy Terror in the middle there, which deserves to be much higher, and we know we'll get there soon. We'll um, we'll figure that out. Yeah, we'll make that right. Gonna make make it right. I think we're looking right or at or around two fifty because two forty-nine is. Clash of Symbols, which is the Grant Brayfogle Joker one-off that irritates you because of all the fortune-telling stuff.
0: Boo.
2: That I like more than that. But I think as good as the Aparo art here is the Bray Fogle art there, that one two-page spread of Batman swinging into the Joker's car with the Bat avatar around him sticks in my head to this day from when I first yeah. read it 20 years ago. 30. Yeah,
0: that's some pretty good. That's some pretty good shit. Um, how about the new two fifty? That sounds good
2: to me. Two fifty, it is.
0: That brings us to our final story for the evening.
2: It does indeed. Our final story is Mayor Mayhem. This is Batman: The Adventures Continue, Season Two, Numbers Five to Seven. The writers are Alan Burnett and Paul Dini, with art by Rick Burchett, colors by Monica Kubina. Letters by Josh Reed, edited by Andrew Marino, with cover dates of December of 2021 to February of 2022. Former Gotham mayor Emerson Mayfield has returned to the city and is planning to retake his office, but his history with Batman is less than stellar. Mayfield was corrupt, and Batman knows it. What is Mayfield up to, and what can the Batman family do to stop his rise to power?
1: Can I just say, it's wild that the first series of Batman The Adventures Continue has a through line of Red Hood, Jason Todd, while the second series has a through line of the election of Gotham's mayor.
2: Yeah, that it's like, okay, well, the first arc here, we're going to get rid of Hamilton Hill. And in the last arc, we're going to have a new mayor election. Not Deathstroke, not Jason Todd. And like the issue
1: before this was kind of about the mayor stuff too, with Renee receiving commendation, the mayor starting to do his hit work to get back in.
2: It's a very different choice, which in some ways, I mean, shows you Batman the Animated Series that could do something like It's Never Too Late, which is this real mob story. And then the next episode is Clayface. Batman the Animated Series loved to swing from tone to tone.
1: Yeah. And, like, this is part of the way being raised on The Batman affects me. I'm not the biggest fan of Batman v. mob stories. I'm more of a fan of Batman v. supervillain stories or Batman detective work. So, like, this comic had an uphill battle to climb with me already.
2: That's the beauty of Batman. Batman contains multitudes. This is a political story. And listen, Mayfield might not be a great or subtle character, but at least he's not so obviously Trumpy. He actually more gives off a boss tweed, Huey Long sort of vibe.
0: This story was better when it did less. When you get, The Mad Hatter involved, it becomes infinitely less interesting. The first chapter, albeit it's a little clunky in that it's told entirely in flashback, the first chapter is interesting. What's batman gonna do when he comes up against a politician that he can't have arrested right he you know bullies him into resigning which i thought is kind of a fun little twist and then the same guy showing up 15 years later is also pretty interesting but once you just make it another run-of-the-mill supervillain story it is i don't know kind of a little bit lame after that
1: I'm going to argue the supervillain parts were my favorite part of this story. And, like, if this were a Batman v animated series issue, most of issue five is what you cut out to make the story work on television. Okay.
2: Fight. <laughs> Come on. You too.
1: Like, overall, I think the story is clearly the best one we read tonight.
2: Oh, yeah. No argument. No argument there at all. I do agree there's a
1: value of having characters Batman can't just punch out to win, except that that's kind of how the story ends with the guy getting arrested in Arkham.
2: True. It does sort of forget that, alright, oh, this guy is a fixer by having him go to Arkham. And reminds me of the episode of... 66 where the penguin becomes the mayor and then makes the joker commissioner of police and the riddler district attorney or something wait this guy is supposed to be this clever fixer criminal the minute he starts letting arkham inmates out of arkham they're gonna run a recall election Mind control or not, it's not like his mind control ability is full-on, like, normal Hatter mind control. He's just basically seems more likable. And I don't care how likable you are, if you're letting friggin' Scarecrow out of Arkham, and theoretically the Joker, no amount of likability is going to let you not be recalled. Well, you have to keep
0: in mind, Matt, that not every jurisdiction slash state slash city has recall elections. So sometimes you're just stuck with an asshole.
1: Does New Jersey have that? Because that's where Gotham usually is.
2: Yeah, I don't know if we can do recall elections here They are possible. They are rare. I Actually, there is an article on uh, NorthJersey.com about recall elections, once spiced up NJ politics. Why are they so rare now? So it apparently is something you can do here in New Jersey. Not going to go down the rabbit hole of looking at all of the (laughs) recall elections in New Jersey history.
1: Like, that can be a bonus episode if the people (laughs) demand it.
2: Yes, exactly.
1: There are good parts, like, the stuff with the Joker in the final issue, that's A plus work with ha ha, ha, ha politics up beneath me. They're so predictable. And at the end, where he's like, ha ha. ha, ha even with mind control and fevery and trickery, you still lost May- Mayor Mayfield. Ha, ha 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 ha.
2: And I gotta say, Mayfield getting locked up in Arkham, dude tried to choke the joker in that scene i give this guy what do you think three days before joker kills him
1: he's a highly protected politician i'll give him eight
2: days okay okay fair yeah you you do not try to choke out the joker it does not end well for you
0: yeah he's gonna pull a, a hannibal actor and make him eat his own tongue something like that
2: something but on will's point
1: about the issue five stuff There is, sadly, precedent for, like, high politician figures to build their own forces. It's kind of happening in Florida right now with DeSantis and his National Guard
2: thing. The uh, LAPD gangster squad of the 30s and 40s, that's... They operated with little to no oversight.
1: Yeah, so that's based on reality... And oh. it's kind of subtle compared to the other political
2: stuff we've gotten tonight. Oh, so much more subtle. On the other night, it was like, oh, that's not very subtle, but compared to the other two, wow.
0: So outside of the Hatter's involvement in the story, the thing that stuck out to me the most about this and what I disliked is I found the art to be fairly sloppy, um, especially on the fourth page of the first issue Where it looks like the newspaper is just a barely retouched sketch. Um, I thought for something that needs to be so sharp and evoke the original animated series like the discussion that we've had a thousand times about having your cherished interpretation of a property in a comic like the art has to be as sharp as possible and this aesthetically did not do it for me and it just seemed very messy in spots especially the inks I didn't care for I think any of the inks in this run of uh, books
2: which is funny because Burchett inked didn't pencil but inked a lot of those. the first Batman adventures. We've seen a lot of Rick Burchett on this show. He did the uh, Joe Chill animated issue that we did not too long ago. He's done a lot with Greg Rucka. We've seen him, uh, he did the couple parts of Officer Down. Of course, the DC Universe app is being a pain on my tablet, so I'm not easily able to get back to those pages. But part of me wonders if that has to do with formatting that if you look at this this was designed to be digital first it's got the half pages despite it them deciding to not make it digital first right before the first issue but i'd wager it was all done mostly before it even came up oh i see what you're saying batman definitely does look stiff in that that panel but it's, it's that newspaper page that bothers me oh. the most. Like, oh, that's, that's yeah. just messy. Yeah, that definitely looks like they lifted that panel, shrunk it down, and pasted it onto the, the newspaper there.
1: Yeah, it's trying to capture the animated series feel.
2: And it, I did it, like seeing those classic designs. It's not as good as Ty Templeton's work
1: on Batman The Adventures Continues. But it's not terrible. It works fine for the story. Could it be better? Probably for like the series itself. It's
2: fine. Oh, and we've got Mullet Dick. God, I... Oh, Nightwing in his animated series Mullet. At least he doesn't have the giant ponytail here. This is not as sharp as Templeton stuff. It's not as sharp as Burchett at his best. But we've seen way worse... So, uh,
1: you're surprised Paul Deeney bought a bunny girl in this story?
2: Oh, March Harriet. One of Deeney's additions to the Wonderland gang. <sighs> yeah.
1: One of the three rabbit-themed lady villains, I think.
2: Her, March Harriet, White Rabbit.
1: I just threw in another number, because I assume there has to be, like, some someone well, else.
2: There's three... Two in DC, one in Marvel. Yeah. Because both Marvel and DC have white rabbits in the same way they both have scarecrows. And then there's March Harriet as well. Yeah, because D- Dini loved adding Wonderland. He added the walrus and the carpenter and March Harriet during his detective run.
1: Yeah. Matt Hatter's just sort of... One thing you can say is like, Mad Hatter's just sort of there through the story main contributing is doing
2: a mind control on Barbara and, and acting as mayor Mayfield's hype man in Arkham. Like he's there talking to all the other villains like, Hey, this guy's really great. Uh, I wonder how much he had to pay Tetch to get him to say that.
1: Got paid in freedom. Yeah. The most valuable currency.
2: True. And I also, you got to wonder Tetch leaves this old lady in, um, uh, big hat in the apartment that he's supposed to be staying in according to the previous page dr leland had signed tetch out of arkham four months ago has that old lady in the hat been in that apartment for four months waiting for batman to show up maybe she's not really old just dehydrated
0: Is he was gonna show up eventually right
2: yeah exactly. he's gonna show up eventually just i don't know build a bomb yes There's any number of traps that work better than a little old lady in a hat. I know that, you know, you don't have to worry about standards and practices. So often when writers from the animated series got to do the comics, they went a little dark. But, oh yeah, we're going to have Mind Control Barbara write a suicide note and then jump off a building. That's bleak. Yeah. I mean, That that was
1: pretty dark. I could picture that happening on Batman Beyond, honestly.
2: Mm. And yes, we don't get any Zatanna in here, but was there any reason for the three panels with Harley and Ivy other than Dini loves Harley? They're having a lame joke about a write-in vote. Although one one moment, because and I, I don't say this in a joke, but we should take a brief moment of silence as we are recording this. Five days after the passing of Arlene Sorkin. The original voice of Harley Quinn, the goat. Truly a legend. Yes.
1: May she laugh at us from the skies above.
2: Yep. And we, again, speaking of bonus episodes, while the October bonus episode will be the Batman versus Dracula, the September one will be, yeah, yeah, this should drop in time for those who might want to hear it right away to sign up. To hear us talk about some classic Batman: The Animated Series Harley episodes that we we will be doing this month, because there's nothing else that we could logically do this month. And no, I don't think I, I don't think I have anything else. Does anybody? Nope. Uh that means it's time. But animated adventures continue. Mayor Mayhem on the big boy. Okay, so as you said, John, this is, is definitely the best thing we covered tonight. 200 is Batman Overdrive. What do you think, Will? Better, or worse? I think this is better than Overdrive. And you know what? This
0: is, this is going to make your heart happy, right? I, I would almost say it's not better than 199, Batman in Bethlehem. Because <laughs> uh, I have a better
2: appreciation for Grant Morrison now. See, we're, we're getting there. I do not think it is better than Blades at 187. And granted, that is me being me and that being one of my faves. But
1: might want to compare it to some other Batman the Animated Series stories you have on the list. That
2: is a good idea. Let's see. We've got 16 adventures stories on the list right now. This does not crack the top hundred, so we'll just we'll leave that right there. Down at one thirty-eight, uh, "Larceny, My Sweet," the Clayface Summer Gleason one-shot. That's still better. Yeah, I'd say far better.
0: I really think we were looking at the right area between Blades and Overdrive.
2: Okay, all right. So that's bottom of. 200 and a top of 187. All right. I think it's closer to Blades because at 190, you've got other Paul Dini. At 190, you've got Heart of Hush. It tries.
0: I was promised there would be no more Hush on this series, this show this year.
1: Listen, I could have picked some Hush, and you have
0: to do it. That's true.
1: That's an advantage of being a Patreon. So feel free to (laughs) subscribe. Look, look,
0: I can take off whatever week I want.
2: (laughs) You'll force us to do that with a guest host, huh? So do we agree then above 190? Yeah, I'd say so. Then above that is the Legends of the Dark Might, the Grant, Kevin O'Neill, crazy ass, Bob, underdog, overdog, Batmite thing. I think it might fall in between because that's crazy. That is ambitious. That is Grant just going to town. So the new 190 it is. The new 190 it is. And we're done. We are. John, thank you for coming on the show.
1: If I come back, I'll be sure to pick better stories.
2: (laughs) No, that's what they all say. I was going to say, that is what you
1: mean. I might actually pick worse stories. Because, like, to be honest, one of the stories I thought about pinking was the beginning of the Jeff Johns Justice League. Oh, but dude. Fought, but then I thought, oh, no, you guys are going to have fourth world stuff coming up anyway. So, oh, like, boy. You can do that on your own. Yeah, that's. Ooh.
2: But that does indeed do it for the night. Yeah. Uh, next week. Yeah, it's a weird one. Uh, we're Uh-oh. The, we're looking at the reimaginings of the origins of three of the Robins in the New 52. Oh, I'm sure that's going to be great. Oh, yeah. I I've heard know. so many great things about
0: the New 52. Everybody loves the New 52.
1: Can't be worse than the stories you got this week, can it?
2: Oh, wait. Can it? <laughs> you haven't heard me talk about the Tim Drake origin of the New 52 yet. Just wait. <laughs> that's for next week. The Jason Todd, one
1: makes some more wild choices?
2: Oh, does it ever. We would like to thank our Patreon backers. Dan Grote, June, Conduit of Outdated Joke Names. Jen, come on. Josh Wheel, Mrs. Abigail Hartbaum.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Asma Fangirl, Tony Thornley. Sam Go, Hopper. Utes. Sam Hopper. John Wickham. Big Wick. Robert yep. Secundus. Bobby and Two Bucks. bucks. Tim Rooney, Giorgio Saraggioli, David Wheel, Alexander Wheel, and Matt McThorne for their support. McThorney. You can follow this podcast on Twitter at Batchat Comics, and the show is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music slash Audible, and on comicsxf.com where new episodes drop every Thursday. You can support the podcast on Patreon at patreon.com slash Batchat with Matt and Will, where you can get shout-outs, bonus content, pick a story, and even come on the show.
1: You can also, if enough people subscribe, you can get those Star Trek commentaries!
2: Woo! If you want to hear more of my ramblings, mostly about the three C's, comics, cinema, and cats, you can follow me on Twitter at mattlast 1013 And I'm at Will Nevin. I'm also out of here. Good night, Huntsville! And be sure to visit ComicsXF at ComicsXF.com or at ComicsXF on Twitter for our weekly Friday Bat Chat roundup of new Bat Books, for my other show, WMQ&A, where my longtime best friend Dan Grote and I interview comics creators, retailers, publishers, journalists, and other related tradespeople, as well as all the other stuff Will and I are writing. And stay safe out there, folks. Gotham is not a place to be after dark.